Many of us are here this morning because God changed our lives. Some of us are still in the process and will always be in that process, but some of us, God did some major overhauling. He did some major changes in us and we're grateful for that. And that's why we give, that's why we participate with what God is doing. Now, some of us have never seen a butterfly uh, come out of a cocoon. Any of you guys ever seen that in, in real life, that you've seen a butterfly come out of a cocoon? Anybody? So very few of us, because you have to be there at the right moment. Some we see the cocoon, and I know as kids you play around with it, and then you mess around with the cocoon because you think it's cool. But then the butterfly doesn't make it. So there's certain things that the butterfly has to go through, or the caterpillar, we call it a metamorphosis, so that it can become everything that it was supposed to be. From what it was before, it changes into something new. And God uses that as an illustration of how He gets us ready for change. The series that we're going to go through, God, People, and Changed Lives, is all about what God wants to do because from the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, if you read throughout the scriptures, especially in the book of Genesis, you'll find that God is always getting us ready for change. He's always doing something new in us. And because of the fall of man, God continuously showered us with His grace so that we could be the people He created us to be. And we're going to discover how to live the life God sees for us as individuals, but also as a church. Some, for some of us, this is our church. We call this our home church. We're members of this church. Some of you are wondering, how do you become members? So you could uh, fill out that information form on the tear-off tab, and, and you can say, I just want to know more about membership. And you can fill that out, put it in the offering bucket, or go give it to an usher after service. But there's many things that we'll be covering through this series, especially as a church. But today, as we talk about getting ready for change... Before God does any change in us, He always prepares us. The question is, am I willing to do what it takes to get me to where I need to be? Because I'll fall into one of these three categories. I'll either fall into the wise, or I'm going to fall into the foolish, or I'm going to fall in the evil. It's my choice. But it all starts with getting us ready for change. And God wants to do that. He's always getting us ready for the next stage or the next season of our life. From an early time or at an early, uh, early life when we're babies, God is preparing us for change. And I was reading up some things and watching some things on babies and how by the third month, by three months, the baby finally has enough strength in neural connections, to intentionally lift its head and take a hold of things. That's why when babies are born, you know, when they try to crawl, their heads are down and they're trying to lift it up because there's not enough connections to strengthen the muscles necessary to lift their heads because their heads are so heavy. At three months, hearing is mostly developed, but sight is not. And so then the eyes need stimulation from the outside world to wire the brain correctly. And by six months, the baby's vision is just as good as an adult's when our vision is good. A baby's vision is just as good as an adult's, but not their language. That's why they go, bah, bah, you know, they say like babies are talking right now. They'll say certain things. I try to brainwash my grandchildren into saying, Papa. You know, I'll go by them, Papa. Come on, say it, Papa. Because you want them to say your name first as the mom or the dad. So you keep saying it over and over. But they begin to babble. And learning a language is a tremendous step forward for babies. But this development comes with a cost. Babies have to lose certain abilities as they get older in order to master others. 
and three-month-old infant can discriminate subtle differences in foreign tongue and that adults can't. You know, they can understand certain inflections, inflections of different languages and then respond to them. But over time, this universal ability for language begins to fade away as they are in their environment of their dominant speech or their, the, the language that they're exposed to, their primary language. So they can understand the, when the vocal tones that we have. They may not understand the words, but they can understand the universal language of emotion and how we speak to babies. Like, we speak to babies different than we speak to one another. When you come home and you see your husband or your wife, you don't come home and say, Hi, dear. How are you doing? How was work today? Work was good. How was lunch? Lunch was good. Lunch was good. We do that with babies. Try do that with your spouse when you go home or your children. They'll think something's wrong with you. I do that once in a while with my older or my younger, Jordan. He's 18. Sometimes I'll play around. I go, Jordan, how are you doing, Jordan? Good to see you. Good to see you. He's like... What's the matter with you? I said, I don't know. I'm just trying to see how you would react. And we, we react differently with babies that we do adults. And babies can understand that part, but they begin their primary language as they're exposed to that, that language that they're around. By a year, a baby can understand 40 words on average by, as a year old. But just a few months later, they can understand hundreds of words because they're continuously developing By the first year, they go through a series of remarkable transformation as they approach their first step. You know, when babies begin to walk, you know, sometimes they're wobbly and and they're trying their best. They will use other things to walk. But finally, when they start taking their own steps, it's, it's unbelievable. And they do that in that first year and sometimes more. The first couple of days are critical for a baby's survival, and they're born with a protective mechanism, a special brown, they call it brown fat. A special layer. And this fat keeps the baby warm, but it also converts to energy. That's why babies are okay until the mother can have enough calories to feed the baby. It's this layer of brown fat. Kind of the same layer that's found in polar bears, but this brown fat, it fades away as they get older. And for some of us, it's still there, but we're trying to get it out. Sometimes it stays here, but that's okay. We've got to do other things. Babies are born with 100 billion neurons that are in their brain. 100 billion neurons. They will have over a quadrillion connections going on in their brain. And their brain will nearly double in size in the first year of life. Double in size. And what it's adding to is this, in this period is more and more connections they will have more connections than there are stars in our galaxy. And the, this 100 billion neurons, that's all they will ever need for their entire life. It's in that first year. But early on, there's too many crude connections. So babies, they're, they're kind of, you know, when they move, they're jerky. So if they're trying to use their hands, they, don't, they haven't developed those connections yet for the brain to just say to the hand, grab the ball. The whole body is doing things. It's kind of like a phone system. If I call a certain number, it goes to that home. But with babies, it goes to all the homes. And what the brain says after learning, it says, okay, not that home, not that home, not that home. It's trying to narrow it down to what it's trying to do. And so babies go through that kind of change. Babies change from being one of the most helpless of all creatures on this planet. 
to one of the most innovative, purposeful, creative, and one of the most genius on this planet. It's the person sitting next to you. They're geniuses. Look at them. They're smart, innovative, creative, geniuses. Regardless of what you think, because I know you're laughing right now. I don't know if they're a genius. Yes, they are. We begin as helpless creatures and we become innovative and creative. And God wired us up that way from the very beginning. Notice, interesting, at this, if we look at babies, God is always getting us ready for change. He always does. He doesn't just change and then that's it and says, too bad. He always gets us ready for change. But we want to find out, how does God get us ready for change? Because if God shows us through the earliest stages of life that He's always getting us ready for change, how do we learn to do that? Because when we become adults, now change is an option. We must make that decision. And nothing feels better than when your life changes for the better. Nothing feels better. God only uses us, though, if we're willing to be changed. He's only willing to use us if we're willing to be changed in our marriages, in our, in our family, or even in our workplace, or in the church and ministry. He's, he's waiting for us to change. Sometimes we're waiting for Him, and He's saying, I'm waiting for you. And God wants to use us, but we've got to be willing to change. Let's look at our notes. You can take that out. In Joshua 1, verse 2. And this is when the Israelites are being led into the promised land. And remember, Moses brought the uh, nation of Israel, the children of Israel, or the, the people of God, out of Egypt, and they're going into the promised land. Well, now Joshua is taking over, so they're going through this major leadership change. And so now God says this to Joshua, in Joshua 1-2, He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Crystal clear. He's letting Joshua know, my servant Moses is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. God says the words. He says, get ready. Now when they encountered the Jordan River, they could have crossed, swam over. But there are over two million people. So it's not that simple. We can look at our life and say, well, we're stuck here on the river's edge. We don't know what to do. We're stuck. We can't cross over. What are we going to do? And so now you're stuck before there's change that's going to take place. And and God says, no, I'm going to help you. And what God actually did is he stopped the rivers from flowing and it became dry ground so that they could cross. And for some of us, we may think, oh, it's impossible to cross this river that I'm facing right now. And God says, no, I'm going to do something and I'm getting you ready for change. But you've got to be willing to change. He also says in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 35 through 37, he says, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servant The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. God says it again. Get ready because the master is going to be here. He's going to do something great. Well, how do we get ready for change in our lives? How do I get ready to experience the power of God and to be used by God like I've never been used before? 
Well, before God does anything, He always prepares us, and here's where He starts. And number one, you can write this in, to prepare my heart. That's what God starts with. He always starts with our heart. Getting ready for change requires the condition of the heart. And so prepare my heart. It all comes down to the purity of heart. It does. God wants to use our hearts. If my motives are wrong from the start, then everything after that will be wrong. Some of us, we have so much garbage on the inside that God wants to purify that so that He can move us to the next season of our life. But we have so much junk on the inside that I need to dispose of the garbage of sin. I need to dispose of the garbage of a, uh, maybe a relational garbage or a relational uh, or a garbage of the past. Some of us hang on to our past and God wants to change us into this new season. But we're hanging on so tightly to the past that God says, if you're not willing to let that go, you can't do anything. I want to help you, but you're not willing to change. So you're working against me. So we got to let those things go. We all make mistakes. We learn from it. And then we move forward because God is bringing change. Job eleven thirteen through 16. It says, if, you, if, you, if only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to Him in prayer. Get rid of your sins and leave all iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten with innocence. You will be strong and free of, of fear. You will forget your misery. It will be like water flowing away. Have you ever met people? They have not forgotten their misery. Their face is not brightened. And they're not strong and free from fear. Every time you talk to them, it's like, how are you doing? Well, you know, you know 17 years ago, this happened. and 17 years ago? Yeah. Aren't you over that? No, you know, I kind of forgive or forget. I can't even forget. I forget some things, but I don't forget that. And so they can't move forward. And so they hang on to the things that they should let go of, but then they never remember the things that they should. God says, you got to let those things go because I'm getting you ready for change. God is saying right here that you can start with a clean slate. God does wonders. But before He does wonders, He first prepares the heart. Joshua says it like this in Joshua 3, 5. Then Joshua told the people, he said, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And I think that's a word for us, that God wants to do a great wonder in you. God wants to do and is going to do great wonders. But I wonder how many of us miss the great wonders of God because we've never purified our heart. I wonder how many great wonders of God we've missed because we've never purified our heart. Some of us have, um, we have special you know, uh, dishes or, or things that we use for special occasions like Thanksgiving or Christmas or even dinners that we'll have a special plate that we put the food in or we have a special pitcher where we put gravy in for Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe we have a special salad bowl. Some of you have a favorite food bowl that if you're going to eat cereal or you're going to eat something hefty like stew or something, you get your stew bowl or your Simon bowl. So you have a special bowl. Now, some of it is chipped, but you still use it because it's your favorite. Now, God forbid that your gravy pitcher gets chipped. That is just no good. Everyone gets gets the heat from that. But you still use it because it's your favorite. It's no different with God. God can use a chipped vessel. God can even use a cracked vessel. Many of us are just cracked. 
But God still uses us. Ask my wife Heidi. I'm cracked. But God still uses me. And God will even use a faded paint vessel. But this is one thing that God will never use. He will never use a dirty vessel. And neither would you. None of you would get the dog's bowl and bring it in the house and put dip in it for chips. For people who come over. If you do, you let me know because I'm not coming over. I bring my own stuff. I potluck to the house. But none of us would do that. God will use a broken vessel, a chipped vessel, even a faded vessel. But he will never use an impure vessel. That's why he says to purify your hearts. But how do, how do we get a pure heart? God, God is so amazing in this. Because he won't use a pure heart, he says, I'll give you the way. And it's called confession. That we confess to him. That we say to God, oh, what I just did that, in that moment, that pride, that was wrong. You were right. I confess my sin to you. That lustful eye that I had, I confess that was wrong. I confess that you're right. Purify my heart. Lord, that anger, that, 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 I, that outburst of anger that I just snapped at so-and-so, or that uncontrolled anger, Lord, I confess that to you. And I give that to you, that you would purify my heart. And God says, well, if you do that, here's how 1 John 1, 9 puts it. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a purifying of the heart. Because God wants to use us. So He gives us a way to be used. See, God is not the kind of God who says, I want to bless your life. I want to use you for my glory. I want to do great things. I want to bring change in your life. But I'm not going to give you the how-to. You're on your own. No, he says, I'm going to give you the how-to. And he makes it so practical for us. We confess it to him. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You know, if I let my garbage go for a day, it's okay. Two or three days, then it begins to smell. Four or five days, then the home begins to smell. Anything longer than that, my whole property begins to smell. And the maggots show up. None of us put our garbage by the front door where people are welcomed in. Hey, come inside, come inside. Oh, kind of, how no, stink. Yeah, it's just the maggots and the, you know, it's the rubbish. Don't mind that. In fact, we'll kick back out here. Kane kapila, right outside. But, uh, yeah, we'll kick back by the garbage. We'll go hang out, we'll go hang out. Yeah, just plug your nose. Breach your mouth, breach your mouth. Nobody does that. If you do, I think that's going to change from today on. But that's what we do with our very own lives. We just let the junk stay there. And then we let all of that stuff pile up. The heart is the welcome door to the Lord. And he says, I want to purify that. I want to cleanse that. And I'll show you the way. Second Timothy 2.21, it says, If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Where do you feel God wants to use you? What does He want to do in your life? Because you don't just exist. Remember now, you, you're created for the purpose of the master. What does God want to do in your life? What do you dream about? What passions have God given to you? Has God given to you? What is, what is on the inside? God says, I want to do that, but you've got to purify your hearts. These are three areas that I've, I've seen God work with that's 
on the average, that he starts with these three areas. That he wants to, he wants to use me in my family, he wants to use me at work, and he wants to use me in church. Those are the three common areas that I see God using us mostly. With our family, in our work, and at church. In our family, as a father or mother that he created us to be, the grandparents, the aunties, the uncles, the, the children... The siblings, that, that God wants to use us in our family. Or even at work, did you know that even though you may have a, a not-so-good boss, that God still wants to use you to reach out to your boss? That may be the very reason why God has you in the environment He has you. So that you could reach out to other people who don't know Jesus Christ. Now, you may have a great boss, and that's awesome, but maybe God wants you to reach out further. He wants to use us. Even in church. Right now, there's people serving behind the scenes so that the gospel can be preached, so that you and I can learn and grow together. But God uses us. He wants to use us for His purpose. Church is not the building. Church is you and I. That's, that's the church. It's you and me. We're the church. And God wants to use us. But He wants to use us in such a way that glorifies Him. And He's going to bring change. Be ready for it. He wants to use us. I remember when we would come up here and, and it was, the building was brand new. And, you know, with the restrooms and the, uh, our, our youth section and, and all of that, everything was fine. But then our church started to grow. And so we've outgrown certain areas. And God wants to use us as the church to be a part of what He's doing how do I get ready for it? What do I do? And how do I get ready for this change in my life? How do I get, it, how do I get ready to experience this power of God? It comes with the purity of heart. That He prepares my heart. But then also, number two, that, that we should honor God with our body. Really? Well, what does that have to do with getting ready for change? In honoring God with my body. Why does, why does that have anything to do with this change that God wants to do? And how do I honor God with my body? You and I have one shot at this one life that God gave to us. We got one shot. So take good care of this life. Steward it well. Manage it well. Because if not, it breaks down. Many of us know that. We sound like cars in the morning. <laughs> a squeaky belt. Some of us, we get up in the morning or try to, it's like, and we didn't even move yet. But our bodies break down. I mean, we got, we got one body that God gave to us. Imagine if you could go to the supermarket or the store or department store and, and just order a new back. Like the Manipur man will come around and say, Oh, I can I take one back, one leg. Oh, I need another knee. And I can have an extra pelvic bone. Can, can, can I have... Oh, you know, I, I, need some more, I need some more joints. I need some... Joints. Joints. Okay, joints. If you're listening on podcasts, I'm talking about your finger joints, your leg joints, and all of that. And I got to be clear. In today's world, you got to be clear. You know, what is, you know what is amazing? You guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. We can't just go to the store and order a new body part. You can do surgery, but we only have one body. And God says, take good care of it. 
Take good care of it. Romans 6.13, it says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So, use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Yeah, God brings us to life to get us ready to live a new one. That's what he does. He gets us ready. What I used to do, I don't do any longer. And now I put my energies towards his use. When Heidi and I first came to know the Lord, we were at the boys club. This place didn't exist. It was just pasture land. When we came to boys club, some of you were here before that. Some of you came when, there, when we were at the boys club. But when we first came, we gave our hearts to the Lord. Something that God did in us was... was was to change us so that we could do better in our family. But even more than that, that we would represent him well in the church. So we began to serve. And we put our hands to the plow and we said, we're going to serve the Lord. But then we learned about this thing called the building fund. That we started a building fund so that we could build this building. And so we would give and, and the church all together every month would bring in you know, eight to $10,000 a month so that we could save to build this. We accumulated $1.5 million. We could build this facility. And then we continued to have a mortgage and paid it off. And I think the final was $3 million. I think that's what it costed for this entire property. Maybe a little bit more. But then once that stopped and once the building was here, so did the building fund giving stop. I think for Heidi and I, we never stopped because it wasn't about the building. It was about people. You, your family, your friends, your neighbors. Anybody can build a building. We have buildings all over Hilo Town. But it's different when you build for the Lord. That people get to find the Lord. That they find eternal salvation. It's, it's a temporary structure built for an eternal purpose. And so we continue to give. Some of you never heard of the building fund. And some people were asking me earlier, they said, you know, so what does the building fund go towards because the building is here? Well, this building is 20 years old. As great as it looks, it's falling apart. There's leaks. Our children have sometimes 90 children in there, sometimes 70, sometimes more. Our Easter services, they're just packed in there. Our youth are packed in there. You put 80 junior hires in one room, it gets hot. We have air conditioning. They don't. So things like that, we've outgrown certain things, so we want to upkeep, we want to do well for our children, our grandchildren, for people that we're reaching out to. Uh, and even in our fellowship hall, some things are not working well, we want to redo some things. We want to uh, do better with our women's restroom, our men's restroom, because we, we're outgrowing those things. And all of those things are a part of our home. If you have owned a home for 20 years, you understand how much work it takes to keep it going. You got to paint it, you got to change the boarding, you got to change the gutters, you got to change roofing, you got to paint. Inside, you got to patch walls for when you get mad. You know, you, you do certain things that need to be done because the building is growing up. So that's why we keep contributing 
to this thing we call the building fund. Now, some of you have never heard about it, but I want to challenge all of us to ask the Lord, who can I invest in through the building fund? It's not about a monetary gift. It's about a mission of reaching people. For Heidi and I, when we prayed, we felt the Lord saying, this is what you're going to give. And so we continuously gave. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not doing. But I can't tell you the benefit, the joy, that when someone comes up to me and they say, I've, I've brought, I brought my friend or my dad came today or my sister came today and they received the Lord. You can't put a dollar amount on that. That's the heart of God. And when we get to give to this building fund, it, it, I mean, God will do so much more amazing, amazing things than we could ever possibly imagine. It's about God, people, and changed lives. In our bulletin, in fact, next week, I think we're going to put in our bulletin what, what we are a part of for the building fund. And we used to put the dollar amount, but what we're going to do is we're going to bring back to life our building fund. Some of you have been giving, and, and you give, and collectively we give between $1,500 and $2,000 a month. But I know it'll increase because some of you, you just have a heart for people, and you want to do something for the heart of God and Him reaching out to people. Again, it's not about a dollar amount. Ask God to put someone on your heart. And then from there, you let Him work the so-called dollar amount. Because when a person is on your heart, then you're just willing to be a part of what God is doing. Pray, ask God how you can honor Him with your body. You know when you're working? Because this is, this is, this is what it really comes down to. When I'm working and I receive a paycheck, you're honoring God with your body at work. Whatever you do. You could be a construction worker, somebody who uh, is on the computer. You could be someone who works in customer service. You could be someone who works out in the field or surveying land or, or traffic or, or an officer or, or someone who works for the state or county. You're doing something with your hands. You may be the supporting uh, person at home with the children and taking care of the home. You're doing something with your hands. But you're honoring God with it. Don't forget to honor God with your body. You've got one shot at this. God says to use it for His purpose. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And here's my heart. I want to stay as healthy as possible to serve the Lord as effective as possible. Did you know that there are over 1 billion people dying in our world today from malnutrition? 1 billion people that are dying from malnutrition. But here's the other side on the extreme. Over 1 billion people are dying because of the chronic illnesses that come with obesity. 100 billion on both sides. Of the $5 trillion spent on health care, $5 trillion, $4.5 trillion is spent on people who can prevent these chronic illnesses. $4.5 trillion. Sometimes we say the government... The president, our leaders, 
They're the reason why we're in $6 trillion in debt as a nation. But if I am contributing $4.5 trillion because I'm not healthy, I think it starts with me. Now, we'll look at this and say, well, then I need to, I need to do better with this and this and that. And sometimes we think health means how we look. We'll look at the cover of a magazine, the bodybuilders. We'll look at people who look in shape and we'll say, oh, that's healthy. Health is not what we look like on the outside. Health is what we look like on the inside. That's where health is determined, not on the outside. We all are in a shape. But we're all not in shape. For some of us, like, I love sweets. That's my weakness. And it hangs on to me. That's why I wear a tight belt. I can't breathe right now. I just wear a tight belt. <laughs> but am I healthy on the inside? So I think for many of us, it's, 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 it's more of asking the doctor, where am I in my health on the inside? Now, I know for some of us, we're saying, I don't want to go to the doctors. Every time I go, they tell me what's wrong. That's the whole point of going to the doctors. They're not telling you what's wrong. They're telling you what you need to do to make it right. Because we got one shot at this. I got one body. I'm going to do everything possible, as the Bible says, to keep this temple as healthy as possible so that it can be used by God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 It says, So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now it's talking in the context of our habits of eating, not going out partying and drinking alcohol. So let's get this in context. It's not saying, hey, hey, whatever you eat or drink, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> He's saying, in the context of how we eat healthy, even do that for the glory of God. Did you know that one third of the ministry of Jesus had to do with health? The Bible says in Matthew 4 that Jesus went into the villages to preach, to teach, and to heal. One third of his ministry had to do with our health. If God asked you to do something today, many of us wouldn't be able to because we're unhealthy. I had to do this. I had to train myself to stop looking at someone else and say to myself, well, at least I'm not that unhealthy. Look at that person. I'm doing okay according to their unhealthiness. But if I do that, then I'm, I'm not taking care of this body. God says, focus on your body, this temple, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Then I'm going to do something great in here. Don't worry about anybody else. Be accountable to you, your heart, and what's going on on the inside. And then the last thing, getting us ready for change, be wise. You can write this in. Not foolish, nor evil. Stay from that one. Be wise. As we get ready for change, not foolish, nor evil. Let's break this apart. Wisdom says to do things the Lord's way, no matter how difficult. No matter how difficult it is, got to do it the Lord's way. That's what wisdom is. Foolishness, a foolish person says, I hear godly counsel, I hear you, Lord, but I'm not going to listen. That's called foolish. Evil means that you are malicious towards others as well as yourself and you deliberately hurt others. 
as well as yourself. You rebel against the principles of God. Yeah, but I want to do good. I want to do well. Good intentions for God will never be good enough. There must be action. Good intentions for God will never be good enough. There must be actions. Proverbs 10.1, it says, A wise child, here's the action, brings joy to a father. But a foolish child brings grief to a mother. There's that action. There's something that we do. That's wisdom. There's action to it. Proverbs 14.1, it says, A wise woman builds. There's that action. Builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. You know, for some of us, I think we, we want to do things well for God. We want to do great things for God. We want to be used for Him. We want to be wise. We don't want to be foolish nor evil. But sometimes we just, we don't have that tenacity or passion for God that we want. Pray this prayer. Lord, give me a new passion for you. That you would intensify my passion for you. That I won't, I won't live for self, but I would live for you. But I need that, that, that passion for you, that love for you. Some of us just have enough of God to bug us, but not enough to bless us. Like, we, we know enough about God that when He speaks, you're like, Oh, man, oh, that hurt. Oh, that, that, was, a, that was a stab in my heart. Oh, man, I, I got I to change. I got to do this. I got to do that. Yeah, I need to do this. The Lord is speaking. But we do nothing with it. We have enough of God to bug us, but we never have enough for Him to bless us. Get ready for change. God wants to bless us. But we must be wise, not foolish, nor evil. Let God have His way. Titus 3, verses 3 through 5, it says, We uh, once... We too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slave, slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. And let's read this together so we catch it. Ready? Go. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, God has given us a new birth. So just like babies in the beginning, we're going to go through different changes. In the first three months, six months, a year later, God will continually change us. It's a new birth in a new season for a brand new church. And God wants to do that. Be ready for change. Let God move in us. Accept His mercy today. Accept His love. He reveals His kindness. And he, and he reveals His love. And He saves us not because of what we have done, but because of His great mercy. Amen. Amen. You can close your Bibles. Put away your notes. We're going to pray together. Get ready for change. Prepare the heart. Be wise, not foolish, nor evil. God wants to use this body. we got one shot at this, guys. Let's use it for Him. Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, as we conclude this morning, our prayer, Lord, is that You would help us to prepare our hearts. You're always getting us ready for change. But it's up to us to receive that. We want to be wise, not foolish, nor evil. 
And so we want to do something with what we've learned. Help us in our families, in our work environment, even here at church. And although we're the church, we're a part of something greater than us. And so, Lord, I pray for those that will be praying about our building fund and being involved with that. That as you stir the hearts, Lord, it it would be about people and you. It's about God, people, and changed lives. And we get to be a part of that, Lord. I'm so grateful for the many who have gone before me so that I could come to know the Lord, so that I could come to know you. They gave, they served. And now, Lord, it's our turn. For many of us, it's our turn to jump in because there's many people who are waiting for us to get involved, to give, so that they too can come to know you as Lord and Savior as we have. So thank you for preparing us and getting us ready for change. We're ready, Lord. And we're thankful for your faithfulness. You'll never leave us. you never forsake us. It's because you love us. And we want to love you back. So thank you for getting us ready for change. It's in your name that we pray. And we all said, Amen. 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 Amen.